You're listening to Destiny for Nomads, the ultimate podcast for digital nomads looking to take their lifestyle to the next level. I'm Laurent Autain, your host and fellow remote worker. Originally from France, I've lived abroad for over two decades, spending 20 years in Southeast Asia before settling in Helsinki, Finland in July 2019. In this exciting first season, we'll be sharing invaluable insights and tips on how to prepare for becoming a digital nomad. Whether you're just starting or a seasoned traveler, our guests will provide you with everything you need to know to optimize your nomadic life, no matter where you are. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back and relax. Welcome to Destiny for Nomads. Destiny for Nomads is brought to you by Medical for Nomads. As a digital nomad, remote worker or expat, you never know what health issues may arise while on the go. Travel health insurance can cover minor ailments like a scooter crash in Thailand. But what if you need primary medical treatment like kidney stone removal in Dubai or heart surgery in the UK? That's where Medical for Nomads comes in. Unlike travel health insurance, Medical for Nomads offers real medical insurance designed specifically for global nomads, expats, and remote workers. And it covers all the big things. With just a two-minute application process, you can get covered within 24 hours. Don't leave your health to chance. Visit medicalphonomads.com to protect yourself with comprehensive medical insurance. And as a special bonus for listeners of Destiny Phonomads, Check out the show notes for a 10% discount on your next Medical for Nomads policy. Take care of yourself and your health with Medical for Nomads. You deserve it. This is episode number two. And joining me from Manchester, UK is Michelle Colson. Michelle has been a digital nomad for five years now and has visited between 60 to 70 countries around the world. Not bad. She's the founder and CEO of Remote rebellion business a business that she registered in estonia she loves the freedom variety and flexibility that the digital nomad's life brings but she also says that having to restart building a community the fact that it's sometimes tiring are the aspects of digital nomadism she doesn't necessarily enjoy but her one recommendation to any aspiring digital nomad Weigh up the pros and cons before you start your journey. Hi, Michelle. Thank you for joining. Hey, thanks for the intro. So first question, weigh up the pros and cons. Why is that? Uh, It sounds really simple, but I think it's so easy for people to follow these influencers on social media and see all of the glamorous parts of digital nomadism, lapped up around the pool or on the beach, sipping coconuts. Um, (laughs) And it's got all of these like positive images. And don't get me wrong, I've I've done all of that and I've I've been there, but there's also a lot of challenges that come with that. And and you, you can't get all of the nice stuff generally without going through some hardship and some, and some hard work as well. Okay, so now now I've got plenty of questions coming to my mind. <laughs> You're Fire away! To... <laughs> You're talking about the hard work, uh, but uh, but let's let's go let's take a step back. And you were talking about cons and pros and cons. Sorry, so can you identify for us some of the pros and some of the cons? 
Well, that's the thing. The pros and cons for one person won't be the same as for another person because we're all individuals. Mm. So personally, for me, um, the pros are the freedom and the flexibility you have to be able to choose where and when you work from. Uh, there's also the pros can sometimes be the cons. So meeting new people, experiencing different experiences, sometimes that can actually be quite exhausting because you're constantly meeting new people and building up a community. And the the older I get, the more I crave a more stable community. And I've I, I've become more of what they call a slow mad now as opposed to a, a nomad. So I was in Bali for two years and I really liked the fact that I was getting into a routine. I had my gym close by. I have a good group of people. Um, and, and there was a certain predictability to that life so I would definitely call myself more of a slow mad and not even I'd call myself location independent because this title of nomad sometimes has this image of constantly being on the move um Mm -hmm. I've gone on a tangent there I realize but yeah essentially the pros and cons are going to be different for each person some person might love moving around like I've got a friend who went to 10 different countries last month and I was like how the hell do you do that like I like I'd be exhausted but he 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 thrives on it What's a slow slow mad in terms of you know how many how many countries do you have to visit a year? <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the definition is. I really don't know what the definition is. I just know it's it's a little bit like the difference between a, like a backpacker and a and a flash packer. No one really knows where, where like where the okay. line goes. You've not heard of that term before? <laughs> no, not the flash packer. No, never. <laughs> Flashpacker is where you kind of wear a backpack, but you stay in nice hotels as opposed to hostels. But there's no real okay. definitive um, outline of this is what's flash, this is what's not. And I think it's the same as nomad, slow mad. Uh, you know, it's and it, it's not the same. But like you can call yourself Catholic and still not follow all the rules of Catholicism. Uh, it's the same way. It doesn't make you less of one. It just you, you, the way you translate it is a little bit different to you. How did you become a, a digital nomad? How well it I've been no somewhat nomadic since the age of about 12. Um, yeah. not a digital nomad back then, obviously, because I wasn't working, but uh, the really shortened version is a really long version. The shortened version, my 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 family and I moved to Spain for a year. Um, it was an an attempt to save my parents' marriage, and they thought they'd buy a bar in Spain and everything would be great. And ever since moving back from Spain back to the UK, I've had this itch of wanting to experience new places and go to different places so I actually haven't lived in the same house for longer than two years since I was 11 so Mm. and I'm 36 now so I've been moving a lot and I I enjoy different varieties and different experiences but as I said to you before I'm I'm kind of at the point now where I'm, I'm ready to stay in one place for a little bit longer now but I'd say the digital nomad journey really began in 2017. And that's when I was working in-house as a recruiter for this company. And yeah. I was trying to recruit software engineers. And it was in the time where software engineers were really in demand and they could ask for whatever they wanted. And most of them were asking for remote work. This was before the pandemic. And I pushed and pushed and pushed and nagged my employer. I said, can we can we get a remote work policy? And the, man- the most I managed to get was up to four days a week remote. So I bought a motorhome and I lived in that for three months and I would travel around the country and mm. I loved it. But I hated the restriction of, of that one day a week in the office. I hated being told that I had to, hence the name, you know, I, I, I my company's Remote Rebellion. I'm a rebel. I, I, like, I don't like being right. told what to do. So I was told that, that one day a week on a Friday, I had to be in the office. It re- I really felt that was a massive restriction. So when the pandemic happened, and as with a lot of other people, I got the chance to work 100% remote. I, I jumped at the chance. You said something interesting. You said, 
I was not working at, at that at that time. So I was not a digital nomad. I was just a nomad. So digital nomads work. That's that's a that's a difference. They are employed. That's why that's I would, why they become I would say digital. so. Right. I would say so. Okay. What what other characteristics do they have, those digital nomads? Well, there's many, but I don't know if that defines what a digital nomad is. That just ha mm. might happen to be the stereotype. But for me, a digital nomad is someone who can work online on a laptop and is not defined by a location or isn't restricted to a location. So you might have someone, let's say you might call someone a nomad who is an artist, for example, and they go around and they sell their wares in different locations and they travel around. They're not a digital nomad, but they're, they're, they're nomadic. And what are the do's and don'ts of, you know, doing digital nomad properly? If there is a way of doing digital nomad nomadism properly. Define properly. <laughs> I don't know. Tell me. You're the digital nomad. <laughs> but my, my properly isn't your properly. Isn't the next to donate. Yeah. And I think I, I actually, I think that that needs to be abolished as well, because some people, you know, I help people to get a remote job and some people are like, oh, I don't know if you can really help me because I don't really want to travel. I just want to stay at home. And I don't know if I'm the right kind of person for you. And I'm like, just because like getting a remote job is, is a different thing to being a digital nomad. They're, they're two separate points, but the same way is your version of your life is your version. Like I mind, you, you might not like, you might live a day in my life and think your life's awful. I don't, I don't, I don't want to live that life and vice versa. And that's fine. We're, we're all meant to be different. So I don't think there is a properly other than actually being a good human and, and giving back and not just taking from a community. I think that's one thing that makes a good nomad, but in terms of how you're doing it, how long you're staying, what you're spending, I don't think any of that matters really. Who is it for? digital nomadism like is there a particular type of people that are more you know uh, inclined to become digital nomads definitely it's it tends to be more men uh, are digital nomads it really? tends to be people in their 20s and 30s but that doesn't mean they're the people that should be digital nomads. I actually remember speaking to someone, there's a, someone I met called Elodie and she has a company called Boundless Travel. I'm not affiliated with them, but I just love what they do. And they essentially set up digital nomad communities for families. So people with families. And I have mm. met so many digital nomads that are in their forties and fifties that are traveling with young kids. When so many people would, would use this as a, I'm going to, I'm going to say it, I'm going to be brave and say it's an excuse. It's an excuse that they can't be nomads because they've got kids and it's, it's an excuse because they've got a mortgage or they've got this. That's not an excuse for not doing it. That's just, you're choosing something else over that. And that's completely fine. I, um, I came back from, from my trip in Bali actually. And there was a lady that my mum worked with and she's like, oh, you're, you, yeah, you're Michelle. You're the one who lives in Bali. I would love to do what you do. And I was like, you can. And she looked at me and she's like, well, no, I, I can't. I was like, why can't you? She's like, well, I've got grandkids here and I, I you know, I've got, I've got to stay here. I was like, so you want to see your grandkids more than going to Bali? She's like, yeah. I was like, so you've made a choice. Like, and she looked at me, he's like, you're being rude. And I was like, I'm really not having a go. I just, I refuse it really annoys me when people make out as if, oh, you're lucky. It's okay for you. Yeah. I'm like, I had nothing handed to me on a plate and I make sacrifices. Like I'm here in Manchester now with my, with my nephews and my sister, my mom, and I love spending time with them. But I've also made a sacrifice that I don't get to see them every week for the lifestyle that I lead. That's a choice that I've made. Yeah. Yeah. You were saying earlier in the conversation that being a digital nomad it's, is hard work. Is it that can what be. You talk, is that what you were talking about? I don't mean, I don't mean that. I mean, people think that they don't have a choice and if you were born in a first world country nine times out of ten you've got a choice 
and and if you want to choose something else instead of a digital nomad life that's perfectly fine i'm not having a go at that but be honest with yourself it's you made a choice you don't want to sacrifice something else whether that's comfort whether that's family whatever that money that's completely fine but you, you most of the time you do have a choice mm, mm. yeah i don't i don't consider myself a, a digital nomad but i've been living uh, outside france for 20 what four years now soon and yeah with the family i only see them like once once a year even now that i'm closer to them and i thought i would <laughs> see them uh, more you know i don't actually <laughs> a little, bit, a little bit more frequently but not like twice a year maybe now yeah so it is it is a sacrifice yes but it comes with uh you know freedom what you were what you were saying earlier yeah exactly and and just sometimes you you wonder whether you made the right choice or do you think do you do you sit with what you what decision you made no i know i made the right choice i know that leaving france was was what i needed to do and yeah. i don't want to go back to france i don't want to go and live there yeah and i, and I feel I the same about the uk yeah and i can't tell you why it's just like i feel more like you know my place is outside it's it's yeah in any Maybe not in any country because now I'm getting I'm getting older, so I need my my comfort and I want to settle a little bit. Yeah. But I just know that France it's it's not the right country for me anymore because you get so much perspective living overseas. Yeah. And people who don't travel they don't see the same things that you have seen. They have they have not experienced the same things that you have experienced. And French people complain a lot. I've heard, I've heard the same about English people, by the way. Same as French. Yeah, it's true. It's funny, it's funny that the English and the French don't always have a great relationship. Maybe because we're moaning, we're moaning at each other. Yeah, but but on that on that topic on, on perspective, which is clearly one of the lessons that I've you know one of the things that I've learned living abroad. What 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 have you learned from all those ex other experience? I don't know where to start. Really, I, mm. I guess that. It sounds really um, the the world is full of mostly good people. Uh, you hear so many horror stories, especially before people go out of their bubble. Oh, you can't go to that country in South America because you'll get robbed, or you can't go and do this because that's where the bad people are. And it's bad people everywhere in the world, but the world is mostly full of good people. And I've just seen so much kindness and so much like warmth from people that have either welcomed me into their home, made me feel welcome in a country that I didn't know, I didn't know people. And I've just, I've, I've really come to really appreciate the the warmth of people and, and, and the strength of people when you're together as well. And, and the importance of community is a big thing for me. I, I felt mm. so lone, lonely when I lived in London and I grew up in the UK. I had friends around me. I had family not far, but I was so lonely. And I didn't realize until, I, until the pandemic actually came that I was just like, I don't belong here. And it was that feeling, like you said, not wanting to be in France. I just don't belong here. And yeah, belonging. Yeah, I don't, yeah. Belong, I don't belong to France. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And that's what if, and when I first moved to Bali, I, I felt an instant sense of connection because these people were so like-minded. They were open-minded. They were up for new experiences. They were positive. And it was like, it was a breath of fresh air. So I think the importance of community for me, the the, the fact that people are generally good have been the two, two main things I've learned. Um, but there's a whole host of other things right maybe it's time that we talk a little bit about your business rebellion because my understanding it is built around community right yes it is and it, it didn't start out that way um so i'll 
Shall I give you a bit of an intro? Yeah, yeah, yeah please so, go, ahead. go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so when I first moved to Bali, I was working for a company. And when they called me back into the office, it was like, okay, you know, office is open now, come back. I was like, nope, not a chance. I can't leave Bali. I love it here. So he's like, well, my boss was like, you can't, you can't just stay there. I was like, why not? And it was a company policy BS reason. So I quit. And that's when I started looking for something new. And I was like looking for a job. And I realized how hard it was to find not just a fully remote job, but a job that would allow you to work from anywhere. And I, mm. I really thought it was going to be a breeze because I'd never had an issue getting a job before. So I learned a lot in that time, I, I managed to get two freelance roles helping companies to hire. But I quickly realized that I wanted to help people find a remote job and find the same freedom I had, as opposed to helping companies to fill a position. So Remote Rebellion was born and kind of evolved over 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 the months. And I now help people to find a remote job using the tools that I learned, using the nine years of recruitment experience I've got. And a big part of that is community. It's being part of people where you don't feel like a weirdo anymore. You're, you, you, you're talking to people like, get it. Like you just said, I don't belong in France. That's like, why you were born there? Why don't you belong? And they, it's not that they, they don't get it. They, they, they do get it. They're like, yeah, I feel the same. I want this kind of freedom. I want this flexibility. And they want more from life than what we're supposed to get, which is to climb the corporate ladder, which is to buy a house, get married, have kids, all the stuff you're supposed to do. And they might want to do that as well. Like, of course, I'm not saying I'm anti-marriage or kids, but just not going through the motions just because they feel like that, that's what they're supposed to do. So it's helping them on that journey, like boosting their confidence to show them that there are things that they can do, showing them where to find remote jobs, how to apply properly and get ahead of the competition, how to interview and essentially land a remote job that fits with their values. Mm, and not necessarily being a, a nomad. Nope. Just I had one, guy, one guy, yeah. Anthony, and he, he pretty much said in so many words, I just want to sit in my pants in my home office. I don't want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's fine. <laughs> Whatever your reason. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I guess I've, I've talked to several uh, digital nomads now on the podcast and outside the podcast. This, this, this community issue comes all the time, you know, yeah. and most of the digital nomads say it's really difficult to build a community. Uh, so how do you how did you do that? How do you do that when you travel frequently? For me, it's two parts. If you, I, th I don't think you really can build community if you're moving every couple of months. I think it, an in-person community anyway. Mm. So I think there's two parts for that. I mean, I was in Bali for two years, so that was a good amount of time to build that community. And I'd say I built that up in the in the first three to six months. However, my friend circle changed every probably three or six months because it was such a transient place and there were people doing that. So one of the ways is actually to be comfort comfortable that that community will change and there'll be people dipping in and out of that. Another was sports for me. So I, I joined a CrossFit gym. I joined, I, I created pretty much a cycle club with someone I met. Tinder was a good way as well of actually, like if the person wasn't someone you connected with on a, on a romantic level, I, I, I've got a few friends now, like really solid friends that I met that way. And there was a mutual, hey, this, we don't fancy each other, whatever the reason is, let's, let, let, let's be friends. And that was a really nice way to connect as well. And then the second part is actually I built a community of other digital nomads that I see all around the world. Mm. And some of them I've seen in three different countries in the last three months, just because we keep passing each other in different circles. So I've loved that community. So there's loads of different ways. There's like Slack communities, LinkedIn. I've met a good few friends from, which I never thought I would ever say. And we've just kept in contact by like social media or something. And they'll say, oh, I, I see that you're in Lisbon. Let's meet up and have a coffee. So it's really nice to have that 
on like that digital nomad community as well as actually the on-site one as well we have crossfit in common i did i didn't know oh yeah, oh, yeah. Ah, i didn't know that either <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit of an addict <laughs> Well, I think all CrossFitters are addicted. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> but it's a great way. It's actually a great way to uh, to build a community because there are CrossFit yeah. boxes across across the world. Yeah. And I actually really enjoy it. As soon as I get somewhere, I'm like, where's the nearest CrossFit gym? And I like yeah. comparing how it is or doing a CrossFit class in a different language and trying to figure out what what, what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Def de 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 definitely. Um, so let's uh, switch gear a little bit and let's you know, talk to aspiring digital nomad. If you had to do like a checklist so that they can prepare themselves correctly, what would be on it? I'd go back to a presentation on from Simon Sinek on go back to why. Why 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 do you want to why do you want to be a digital nomad? A lot of people who travel, a lot of people who are digital nomads are running away from something, running away from their problems, running away from themselves. And I've been that person in the past as well. And you think some new place with palm trees and a sunny beach is going to solve your problems. And it's not. You're still going to be the person that you are. You're probably still going to have some of the problems that you have. And I know it sounds really negative, but look into yourself first and find out why it is that you want to do what you want to do. And, and then the rest will come as you go with that. And sometimes you might figure that out along the way. You know, I, I when I went to Bali, I, there, was a, there was a few things I had to work through and, and I did. And there's a, But there's a lot of lost souls there. And mm. I think if you go in thinking that this place and you're going to find yourself and this place will fix you, it, it might, but you probably shouldn't go in with it, like with that, with that idea in your head. Okay. And all of the like practical checklist, that's that's just going to come. You'll figure it out along the way and you'll make mistakes and you'll spend a lot of money on stuff that you shouldn't have spent money on. And that's fine, but you can earn that money again. So it's fine. But I, I would ask myself as, a, as one of the questions, what's the worst thing that could happen if things don't work out? And mm. in my case, I made that worst case scenario that I would not be able to get a job. I would potentially have to go back home, live in my nephew's playroom um, in Manchester. And I was like, okay, is that really the worst thing in the world? I've got a roof over my head. I've got three meals a day. I've got my family and loved ones around me. That's the worst thing that can happen. I, I think I'm doing pretty well. And I, I, I'm really conscious of the fact that I am very privileged to be able to have this because some people don't. If mm. things don't work out, they could be on the street or whatever, and, and it could be a lot worse. So, But I would like to think that a lot of people have at least one friend or family member that they can rely on if things did, if shit hit the fan. Mm. Great, great advice. Yes. What are some of the mistakes you've made? <laughs> um, within around the digital nomad, uh, I guess thinking I'm not doing it properly. Like always looking to compare yourself with other people and thinking, oh, they're doing this. I should be doing. I should be traveling more. I should be doing this and having that pressure on yourself of not doing enough. Mm. And it can be really hard to find the balance between. You said about what's one of the cons or one of the challenges for me. I get this FOMO on both. So if I'm off experiencing life and doing things, having a great time, I'm thinking at the back of my head, I should be working. I'm not working hard enough on my business. And when I'm working hard on my business, I'm looking outside the window, like I'm not experiencing life <laughs> enough, <laughs> which is, I'm getting better at it, but it's really frustrating. And I'm like, yeah. I'm having this argument in my head, like, come on, you can't do it all. 
Yeah, well, you don't have to travel to be a diplomat to experience that. <laughs> yeah, very true, very true. <laughs> but 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 then it brings another question: How do you balance your 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 life? You know, your your work work and travel. I I think for me, I I really got real with myself on wh why I set up Remote Rebellion, and the two there was well, there's a few reasons. It wasn't just about making millions. You know, mm. I wasn't like, oh, I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to be a millionaire. That for me, like, was never really in my in my vision. It was how can I work doing something I love, doing what I'm good at, helping people to have a, a have a new life and a different perspective, whilst being able to work when I want, where I want, and with who I want. So they're the important things for me. If I make millions in 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 the in the making of it, amazing. But that isn't the goal for me. And if it was then I would have a different focus on my business and I wouldn't be too bothered about missing out on some of the fun stuff. But for me, it's a lifestyle business. I, I still want to be able to focus on my health and have good relationships with people. Whereas other people would want to hustle 12 hours a day, seven days a week because they want to get to X figure or X number mm. or you know get VC funding. And that's fine, but that's just not what I personally wanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you allow yourself... The, it's a question of priorities. This is what you were talking about earlier. You allow yeah. yourself the time, or you give yourself permission yeah. to travel, to to enjoy, to say, "Stop! I've, I have enough for today, and just yeah. let's do something else." Yeah, I and and for me, having having some rules, like some rules that I break, because mm. again, I'm a rebel. I'm my own worst nightmare. But I have like <laughs> rules of no no I calls see. on fr Fridays, Saturdays, Sundays, um, and but I can do some work on those days. So I think for me, I'm like, I know I've got those solid three days of no calls booked in. So if I did want to do fun stuff, I've got those, uh, those, those windows free. Mm. And you... working out in the morning. Like for me, that sets my tone for the day. If I, if I don't work out in the morning, which I don't maybe two or three days a week, mm. I notice a difference. I, I really do. Yeah, I understand. Will you ever stop? Traveling or working out? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Working out, no, you're a CrossFit. Never you're a CrossFit out. Never. You never stop. That I know already. Yeah. But tra traveling, the the slow, slow. What did you call it? The slow mad. Slow mad. I don't think so. I think I will stop. Like I, I will definitely stop nomading, as in traveling every few months. But I, I can't ever see me staying in one place for six months or longer without leaving whether that's just a short-term trip or not, but I, I, I crave variety and I love experiencing new places. Um, so I can't see me that ever stopping. Mm -hmm. I'm open to it stopping because it's expensive and, and there's a lot of longing <laughs> in it, but, but I, don't know, I don't know if I will. <laughs> what's, what's the, what is the best, the top one experience, number one experience you ever had? Oh, I've had so many. I've been so, so fortunate. Uh, one springs to mind and that was... 2009 I went to and it was my first kind of solo trip I've been traveling and backpacking a little bit around with my my friend and she went her own way I went my own way and I went to Sumatra in Indonesia and my mm. favorite animal is orangutans and I went on this trek and saw semi-wild orangutans just like yeah I, I well up thinking about it even now because it was yeah it was it was amazing and I stayed in this um this shack by this river that had this this little balcony with a with a hammock and I just remember chilling on this hammock once and actually seeing an orangutan across the river and for me that that trip was phenomenal that was one of the best experiences the small things in life yeah <laughs> seeing an orangutan <laughs> yeah yeah and the worst experience 
I haven't had, I've been very, like, touch wood, I've been very lucky to not have something that's been really, really traumatic. Um, mm. I did have, again, the same trip in Sumatra, actually. It was funny, it was a, it was a, a highs and lows, but I, I was walking back from an internet cafe back then, that's how long ago it was, and um, there was a guy walking towards me, and it was a, a dark alley, and he basically was playing with himself as he's, like, running towards me and uh, walking towards me and saying, hey, pretty lady, and it really shook me. I was really scared, and I didn't know what to do, yeah. and there was no one else around, so that was a pretty pretty tough experience but it wasn't it wasn't as worse as I think some people have had where they've been held at knife gunpoint or whatever so I think I've gotten off really lightly and and I I was when I see the news and I hear a woman gets attacked in Thailand or whatever and you always hear these people like oh she was walking back home at night on her own and this the whole victim blaming really angers me because I got myself into so many situations that could have been so worse. There's so many times that I could have been attacked, but I was just lucky. It wasn't because I was being stupid or being clever. I just was, I was lucky. And that, and some people are not that lucky. Yeah. It doesn't happen to happen to women only a lot, a lot of men in Thailand, yeah. especially yeah. in Thailand get, get robbed. They get drugged and robbed and then yeah. they wake up, they wake up in the streets uh, somewhere, somewhere in Bangkok. Yes. Yeah. All right. So to wrap up this uh, conversation, anything else that you would like to add for aspiring digital nomads? The main thing I would want from people is I know so many people talk about, I want to be a digital nomad. How do I do this? How do I do that? I know it sounds so like easy to say, but just do it. Like pick, pick where you want to go, find out what visa you need, save up for the flight and book it. And if you don't have loads of spending money, once you book that flight, as long as you've given yourself enough months to actually save for it, if you want it enough, you will find a way to save the money for that trip. Because if you're determined enough and you want something enough, most times you will get it. And it, just by believing in that and putting the work in, you, you, you'll get there because hoping for something and actually doing something about it is so different. And just expecting something to come to you just because you want it, it, it's not the way the world works. So ask yourself, do I want it enough? What am I willing to forego? Am I willing to forego that night out on a Friday so that I can save up and put that money towards that? Or am I willing to forego my home comforts or the latest iPhone? And if not, maybe you don't want it that, that much. Mm. So another thing to add on your te checklist, a budget. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or a way to just figure it out. Like I, I met this um, Italian guy in... In, in Malaysia a few years back and him and his friend have been traveling for six years and they weren't digital. They probably never used a laptop before. And I was like, if you don't mind, how, how, how have you afforded to travel for six years? And they're like, yeah. well, we've got a hammock. We travel, we travel with a hammock. So we don't need accommodation. We'll do some work for the local fishermen and they'll give us a meal and that's all we need. So that, you know, I wouldn't want to live that way. I like my cocktails mm. on the beach, you know, and that mm. you need to pay for them, but they were quite happy with that simple life and they found a way to afford it. So there's a way for everything. Indeed. Thank you, Michelle, uh, for this conversation, conversation. One more question. If people want to chat with you about, you know, your business or digital nomadism, how can they contact you? So best way is either via the website or LinkedIn, which is remoterebellion.com. On LinkedIn, I'm Michelle Coulson or Remote Rebellion. And same on Instagram, Remote Rebellion everywhere. <laughs> Excellent. Well, again, thank you very much for your time today. Thank you. 
And thank you for listening. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode and learned something new about digital nomadism. <laughs> Let us know if you have any questions or comments about the show. We love hearing from our listeners and are always happy to engage in meaningful conversations. And of course, if you haven't done so already, subscribe now. See you next time. Bye for now.